have to go back! everyone welcome back to the flashback flicks retro movie podcast i'm ricky i'm grayson and happy new year oh, 2020 it is 20, it's now 20 the, it the is future now. is now yeah. the future is now and so our first review of the new year is it just so happens to be nickelodeon's very first movie oh, flawless <laughs> uh because Spies in Disguise is out in theaters, we decided to look at another spy from our childhood, Harriet the Spy. Oh, yeah. This really took me back. Um, I, I love that we use this for Spies in Disguise. I'm kind of wondering what we're going to do when uh, Black Widow comes out. Did, oh. did we play our hand too early? <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah, maybe. We should have. We should have done that. Maybe. Oh, that that's the... Uh... That's the, you know, it's not too early to pick a new resolution. Maybe be more timely. Maybe plan more than just a week out. Oh, maybe. So Harriet the Spy uh, is a 1996 movie, coming-of-age movie, directed by uh, Bronwyn Hughes in her directorial debut, uh, starring Michelle Trachtenberg in her feature film acting debut a lot of debuts for people uh and it co-stars rosie o'donnell jay smith cameron gregory smith and vanessa lee chester now it's based on the book the 1964 novel of the same name by louise fitzhugh and it follows a, a sixth grade student who aspires to become a writer and a spy now um the book harriet the spy uh follows you know harriet uh Lee spy and um, it's a girl who spies on her friends and has to face the consequences um, of you know her notebook becoming discovered and it was actually a series it had um, a follow up two follow up stories written by the original author and then several um, ghost written inspired stories kind of like uh, the Sherlock Holmes stories is Mm -hmm. like other people contributed to the story of Harriet the Spy, uh, but this movie is based primarily on the original uh, 1964 book, which was um, both praised in its time in 1964. It, um, it joined the list of the year's best juveniles, because that's the category in 1964. Um, and in 1965, a reviewer called the book a brilliantly written unsparing realistic story a superb portrait of an extraordinary child while also being banned um it was uh it was banned because it was said to set a bad example for children supposedly encouraging them to spy lie and swear and so the book was really like big at this time i mean i mean think nancy drew level circulation and people really liked the book one of which was Rosie O'Donnell, who really loved the book. She actually heard that they were making this movie, and she got optioned to be in the movie. And she said yes before even reading the script. Oh, She's wow. like, I'm in it. I loved Harriet the Spy growing up. I'm doing it. Uh, and so in, for the movie, the director uh, was you know, quote it saying uh, certain things about the 60s story, especially the relationship between kids and their parents had to be adjusted to make sense because you don't have the same kind of formality that you had in the book uh, in the 60s between parents mm. and kids. Mm-hmm. So those things needed to be made more natural for the 1990s kids audience. But it was very important to me that things that really affected Harriet in the book 
would be things that really affected Harriet in the movie. Uh, and so that's why you see things like it's not necessarily a period piece it's not like one of those secret incredibles movies where everything takes place in the 60s uh but that's why we do have more classical elements uh being involved in the movie like typewriters right and um actual film projections happening in class yeah it's it's kind of like a, a wes anderson type time period right yeah. where you yeah. downplay the technology and everything is kind of paper craft handmade exactly and so the movie uh, was released uh july 1996 it made 26 million dollars on a production budget of 12 million and i specifically remember the vhs release because at the time disney had those big thick plastic um kind of like cases for vhs it wasn't just the uh, cardboard but it was like the big thick classic ones and you typically associated those movies with uh disney because disney was one of the few people who would you know put the extra money in to make those little plastic cases but i remember harriet the spy was in one of those plastic cases and it had an orange vhs tape for a long time nickelodeon that was their signature their, their vhs tapes were orange and i very vividly remember that about Harriet the Spy. Yeah, there there was kind of a lot riding on this to make it work. Being Nickelodeon's first theatrically released film, it was a really big deal. And uh, now we kind of just take it for granted. They've mostly moved into animation uh, in in later years. But right after this, they, they were doing Rugrats movies. And then, I mean, we got a SpongeBob movie coming out. Like this set them up to be able to do a lot more film-wise. And so uh, it's, it's important in the life cycle of Nickelodeon, which I'm, I'm sure played a massive role in your upbringing as it did mine. And Absolutely. so I remember when this was coming out and it was a really big deal. Uh, but what I, uh, what I remember very specifically, though, was something you had mentioned, that this was Michelle Trachtenberg's like, big break. This was huge for her because before oh, yeah. that she had done like some episodes of Law and Order. Clarissa explains it all, which, man, that's its own thing. Oh, and yeah. all my children, but yeah, this was her first major movie, and it really opened up. She's still working consistently, so it was cool to see the beginning of someone's career, really, which we get to see a lot on the podcast. But for someone so young uh, to follow that trajectory out. Uh, and to have it all start here was uh, really fun to watch. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember when uh, this movie came out. I mean, this is one of the few movies that I was re-watching. I'm like, I, I remember almost all of this. There's certain, like, through lines that I didn't see as a kid. But I, I remember so vividly this movie. I remember not understanding why Harriet would make that tomato sandwich. Like I thought the tomato sandwich played like a larger role in the movie. Cause I vividly remember it's like, Oh, that's right. Doesn't she make that really gross sandwich? Like I, re I remember her eating it too, but she never ate it. The Mandela effect. Eating yeah. The tomato sandwich. <laughs> the other thing I kind of remember is that I remember Rosie O'Donnell. I mean, her being in this movie, it's, I was explaining to my wife, it's like, it's almost as if, like, if Ellen were to be in mm -hmm. a feature film, because, like, this is when Rosie O'Donnell had her own talk show. Oh, yeah. Um, and she was, uh, I think, a few years away or had just been Betty Rubble in the live action Flintstones movie. Um, she was, like, you know, a, a very prominent comedian of that era, also t kind of taking on this 
more serious role. Uh, but she was so delightful. Like mm-hmm. watching her as an adult, I'm like, oh no, this is going to break my heart in a couple of scenes. She's so great with Harriet. Uh, but I also distinctly remember not understanding how nannies worked. Um, as a kid, I was like, wait, she's she fired the because in my in my kid brain, she's like, oh no, her babysitter got fired. Um, but I realized that she was her like live in nanny yeah. for several years. All I'm the like, luggage, yeah. Oh man, I was like, oh no, like you basically like kicked a family member out of the house like that. That was huge. She's basically Alfred, yeah, right? For her, so, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. I, this is locked in uh, to the time period you were saying where she had the talk show because I used to watch the Rosie O'Donnell talk show every day mm-hmm. after school. It was before Oprah, but after Bob Ross. And uh, it was really a very specific golden age of television. And uh, I remember this just being promoted kind of nonstop. I also remember Mm -hmm. Koosh Balls. You remember Koosh Balls? I do. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, Rosie made those really big, like a Nerf Koosh. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm saying it it sounds like a bad word now, but that's what it was called. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, just the nostalgia factor around this movie. uh, It was like being sucked back there. Personally, this was an important movie for me because it was the first time I ever acknowledged a celebrity crush as a kid. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was uh, the same age as Michelle Trachtenberg when this came out, and I remember thinking, yeah, that that's my first celebrity crush. I was yeah. like, more like Michelle a Trachtenberg. <laughs> I was even then very big on puns, and um, yeah, I I loved this movie, but I have not seen it in a very long time. But like, it was so influential to me. Like I had my own journal. I, I tried the tomato sandwich. It's (laughs) not great. It's really not. But, um, I remember I went through this weird period when it came out where I would just cut stuff out of newspapers and I expected to see that more in the movie like did I get that from the movie no it was just like a weird thing that I did I would like cut newspaper articles out and glue them in my private journal yep bizarre stuff but uh, the whole concept of spying I think is it yes. kind of is like a kid thing it where you're is. like I'm gonna sneak around and get information because it's not really like spying. I think that was the biggest yeah. thing. She's not like working for an agency or anything. Yes. We, She's we, just snooping. Right. When I was going back and watching this, I was thinking, oh, yeah, what case does she solve? Like there's going to be like a it's going to be like a Nancy Drew where like there's a case that needs to be solved. And Harriet, mm-hmm. the spy is the one on the case. It's like, oh, no, she she she's people watching. Yeah. She just has a people watching journal. And she's not, like, trying to get intel on, like, uh, it's not like they're like, why Why is this girl so popular? Like, well, let's snoop on her. Because when I was originally going back and watching this movie, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be, like, a sixth grade Mean Girls. Mm. Uh, because I remember her journal was basically the burn the book. The burn book, yeah. And, uh but I remember it's like, oh, no, it's actually like nothing like Mean Girls. Uh, but that's what I was kind of expecting it to be. Uh, but, yeah, no, she just snoops on people and, and takes 
takes notes. Yeah, because she says in the intro, she goes, I want to be a writer, so I write everything down. That's why I'm a spy. And I was like, well, okay, yeah. <laughs> I see from like a kid's perspective, because it would have, the branding would have been terrible to be like, Harriet, the aspiring investigative journalist. Like, how do you explain that to kids? <laughs> it's like, when I grow up, I want to be Bob Woodward. Like, that's not going to really resonate. So good on them for being like, yeah, you observe something and you write it down. Right. Um, and then the larger themes of this of being like the, the burden and responsibility of telling the truth and everything that yes. comes from that and being honest and... Um, but also being responsible with what you write publicly, yeah, right. is all plays into it. But really, this is about investigative journalism more yes. than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Well, because interestingly enough, this movie is different structurally. Like, it, it's not like the, the if you were to call it an inciting incident. Like mm-hmm. when Golly gets fired. Yeah, that's thirty-five that like, minutes in. Right, and yeah. so. It doesn't follow the the typical film structure uh, mm-hmm. per se, but it's very much like a coming of age. I, I compared it a lot to Sandlot, where it's just like we're just getting the slice of life of what it's like to be a sixth grader. Which yeah. also I feels like maybe it's because I'm old, but sixth graders look a lot like five year olds. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. was like, I I was in sixth grade. I didn't look like. Did I? Is this what sixth graders look like? Uh, and Michelle Trachtenberg was the a six she was a sixth grader at the time um there's no dawson casting or anything like all the kids were like kid age uh and so i was just very surprised by that the reason why i brought that up was because in the book um she loses her notebook and that's the inciting incident oh and everything okay that makes sense so we have the whole um like we, we have the establishing that she is a spy. She people watches like the whole first opening scene happens. And basically right around then is when she loses her notebook. Mm. Um, and so and then there's like that big fallout. And so that's something that um, in my research, I'm like, OK, well, that would make more sense as to like where the whole story would kind of come from. And like the falling out of that um, and everyone else kind of like hating her but i i do appreciate what the movie did which was like really build up the friendship uh between her and sport and Uh um friend number two um (laughs) it just said sport so much i'm like oh yeah well that's the name i'm gonna remember uh it's interesting structurally talking about like kind of the odd structure that they have Nickelodeon did that a couple of times in their original films, and I didn't realize it till just now, but um, they did a series of unfortunate events with Jim mm-hmm. Carrey. Uh, that was a Nickelodeon production, and they do a similar thing where it feels like some of the worst moments are happening really early, or that it's right. almost like serialized stories kind of put together uh, and then resolved all in one big conclusion because like in in harriet the spy that yeah golly getting fired and then the old man getting his cats taken away and frankie getting in a car accident that's all like very all is lost break into third act type stuff but it happens 35 minutes in but then you get another like equally traumatic thing later where nobody likes her and all of her secrets have been shared and everything like that so you get almost like these equal weight with these devastating events and they use them more as like act break punctuations rather right. than overall arc 
kind of heightening. So, and they do the same thing in series of unfortunate events because they blended the first three books into one movie. You're mm-hmm. getting the all is lost for every story. And then everything is resolved by repurposing the actual ending of the first book. So it's interesting Nickelodeon's approach. And I would have, I would have liked to maybe dig deeper on their story strategy at the time where it was, yeah. it was it a way of like keeping attention since Nickelodeon dealt so much in like 11 minute episodes for so right. many things. Like, was that just to keep things moving or were they really trying to just, you know, shake things up structurally because things were really starting to hit that expected pattern so often. I don't know, but it was uh, kind of refreshing to see this different view of, oh, really big moments aren't being saved till the end. They're happening throughout. Right. Um, and it's it's almost like uh, the Herald that we, yeah, uh, that growing absolutely. up in like the long form improv community, that you have these equal stories that are kind of being told concurrently, but mm-hmm. then all resolved at at the end. So like golly stuff and the the journal stuff and the thing with the sports story, all of it is kind of resolved in one fell swoop, um, but kind of working concurrently. But they yeah. feel more like just B stories. You know what I mean? They're like mm-hmm. major stories that concern the main character, um, right. but being developed all at the same time. Very interesting structure and definitely not something that I was able to appreciate way back when. Um, But watching it now, that was probably the biggest thing that that popped out being like, oh, this is this is really different. They were doing Mm -hmm. something pretty new with the structure of this movie. Yeah. And one of the things that I um, I I mean, this movie kind of like shook loose in my brain was like how badly I wanted to be a spy um, (laughs) as a kid. I feel like they're like, I don't know if you remember seeing this on TV um, but like there were tons of commercials for like spy gear. Um, mm-hmm. I remember, um, I think like that's like the brand spy gear. Cause they had a pair of like sunglasses that had mirrors on the inside corners oh. of the frame. Yeah. Where you could I owned see those. People. Yeah. You did? I did. I got them in the back of boys life magazine, <laughs> the official magazine of the American boy scouts. Uh, oh yeah. man, I had those for sure. That's am- I wanted those so badly, and I also remember I used to. Um, I so there's this trick with watches where mm-hmm. if you like held the face of your watch close enough to your face, you could actually see behind you. Oh, and yeah. I just thought that I just thought visual like looking at people like like from your like normal perspective was just like a really cool thing. Um, I think that's the extent of my spying. I also thought the idea of like listening into other people's conversations um, was going to be like really cool because that was another one. It's just like hide this in one room and you can listen into other people's conversations. So that was another thing I had. It was a man. I we did not get the same magazines. (laughs) Well, I think that one was an offshoot of like Talkboy Pen or something like that, where you could like exactly put a piece in your ear and, and like supersonic hearing. Um, yeah. I will say like all that gear, all that spy gear becomes infinitely more creepy. Like after puberty. Absolutely. Yeah. Like don't, don't still have like, you should get rid of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're like, Oh yeah, I still have that in my closet. It's 2020 time to purge, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Marie Kondo, that stuff now absolutely it should not bring you joy no no it should not spark to, joy to be it, peeping on people behind you 
without yeah, them no, knowing. It needs to spark a fire, light it on fire. Yeah, uh, that's our public I, service <laughs> announcement. Don't be creepy. Don't be creepy. But I want to say that like a lot of that was sparked by Harriet the Spy, yeah. even though she like I just like the idea of like you know stealthily witnessing things like which is like basically what she was doing mm. like she was just like watching all these little private moments happen uh and i just thought that was uh that that was a time in my life that i remember like oh yeah i really wanted to be a spy largely because of this movie it's called being a peeping tom and it's <laughs> it's illegal it is a crime but sometimes you just fall out of a tree get hit by a car and all of a sudden you meet your wife. Yeah. That didn't happen to me. I said that like it happened to me. That's George <laughs> McFly. I just want to make that clear. Don't be creepy. Hashtag right. don't be creepy. Yes. Don't be creepy unless it's your density. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that I thought that she could have spied in and like done a little bit more investigation on. Oh, yeah. Is the case of the missing head cannon. Head cannon. <laughs> head cannon is a part of the show. We share a few unique ideas about the movie based on the evidence provided by the film New Year. New memory. I got it all. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so uh, I think my biggest piece of headcanon uh, having to do with Harriet the Spy is um, it, it's, it's actually something that um, I, re- I I never saw before in the movie. But when Golly was saying, you know what? It is my time to go. Um, it, I think it was because she just realized that she couldn't have relationships um, because she got fired because she tried going out on a date. Um, mm. And, like, they never really readdressed that. But I'm like, wait a second. Is that why she really... I mean, yes, she's like, yeah, Harriet's old enough. But also, I think she started realizing, I think I want to see people. I think I want to date. Like, her whole life has been, yeah. you know, like, you know, being a part of Harriet's family in that in that way. And, um, and she's like, hey, listen, I think it is time. I, I think as a kid, I was just like, oh, she's just putting on a brave face. You know, me and all of my brave face knowing <laughs> language. Uh, but I just think that she was like, okay, you know, yeah, no, it's time. But I, I think that's one thing um, that I never really picked up on before. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe that's the thing. It's like maybe I want to date. Maybe I want to have like my own life again kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and she just finally had an opportunity. The other uh, kind of piece of headcanon is that Harriet the Spy, just as a movie, could have turned so much darker. Like, I'm watching this movie, I'm just like, oh, this is making of a murderer. Like, the, like she, when she was carving these names into her desk, I'm like... I don't remember this being as um, red flag weight, like red flag ing as uh, oh, yeah. other kids' movies, but just like the severe bullying. Oh like, yeah, no uh, Harriet at one point just flips to be the villain of this movie. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Like yeah. it, it is like sixth grade Carrie. Yeah, no, it, it is falling down with Michael Douglas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so I, I guess my headcanon is that like. You know, like this is this this takes place in the same world of Matilda oh, because yeah. mm-hmm. I think that Harriet was just one other bullying mistake from just developing psychic powers and revenging everyone. I would love to see uh, a uh, unbreakable split glass universe of Matilda <laughs> and Harriet the Spy. <laughs> 
Oh man, that that is good. I mean, right now headcanon can be that that's it. Yeah. Like it is. It's the the kids, the younger version of all of these people. Yeah. It's like, oh, she reminds me of that spy from a couple years ago. What was her name? Uh Harriet. Harriet. They called her Harriet, the spy. <laughs> I think we talked about this in the Inspector Gadget uh, episode, but that there's an inherent crossover here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where, you know, he's Inspector Gadget and she, probably because of all the the really terrible things she did to everyone in her life, had to go into witness protection or something. Well, maybe she witnessed a crime and went into witness protection. (laughs) She was... She stuck her nose where it didn't belong and uh, got put in witness protection. Yeah, so that's Penny from Inspector Gadget. But... Um, I also liked the reappearance of Gregory Smith, who we saw from Small Soldiers playing You're right. sport. Yeah, yes. I don't know what to do with that, but he, he exists in this movie, and he existed in that movie. Yeah. Um, I also try to somehow make this like a Charlie's Angels prequel, um, but really, I, I didn't come up with a lot for anything uh, this episode except that, and I hold by this, except that. Eartha Kitt that we see yes. in this movie is the actual Catwoman. Yes. From uh, the Adam West Batman. One, no one's disputing it. And in her old age, she becomes a dog person. I just love the idea. She's getting Pomeranians delivered to her. I love the idea that Catwoman is a dog person. Yes. Um, but that's why she lives in such an enormous house. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I I think if that's the universe, I would love to see uh, the development of Harriet the Spy goes on to become Batgirl. Like, she has the skills for it, but, like, this anti-hero is training Harriet to become that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I I I think that that just needs to be, like, a Batman movie. Yes. Of of passing on, like, this uh, anti-hero mantle, I think would be really really fun well i mean even if you i mean even further it makes uh batgirl's later uh role as the oracle like super mm. you know like forthcoming it's like she was always meant to be the oracle because she's always has the intel of, yeah on people she sees it all she sees it yeah. all that's really good Thanks. Yeah, I also tried to connect just a weird piece of trivia that I found. Um, this isn't really headcanon. It's more trivia. But the telephone number for the Hong Kong restaurant is uh, 555-0134. And uh, I found out that that's the same telephone number that Teddy had in Memento and that uh, Marla had in Fight Club. What? Um, and at one point, Hugh Jackman had it in the Ashley Judd movie, Someone Like You. Um, but we haven't reviewed those. So keeping it in, in the podcast family, Memento and Fight Club um, uh, share the same number as that restaurant. So it could wow. be an indicator of like geographic uh, significance. I don't know. But I just liked that those are all the same. Well, because they're 555 numbers. Yeah. And you have, you have a finite number of combinations for those last four digits. So, yeah. They just happen to be the same phone number. Wow. That's amazing. You kind of going down that path, it's really interesting just to see how these kids grew up, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you haven't been on IMDb, I mean, headcanon, I mean, you can just have your own fun little like this kid grew up to be this because like 
uh, you know, kid with purple socks was in Tommy Boy. Uh, he's now Fitz in Law and Order SVU, mm-hmm. um, or at least was during uh, 2018 and 2019. Um, you know, so it's just fun to see where these kids line up. Um, the girl whose name I forgot, um, was, uh, Janny, um, Vanessa played by Vanessa Chester. She was on how I met your mother. Uh, she was the, uh, the daughter to Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park Lost World. She was Kelly Curtis. Um, and she was girl number two. That's who I was mistaking her for. Uh, and she's all that. So, uh, it's really cool. Like a lot of these child actors are still acting and doing work and didn't stop, uh, after Harriet the Spy. So it's really fun to see, um, all the different headcanon paths that they can go down. Yeah. Especially Michelle Actenberg, who is still, (laughs) okay. She uh, certainly it's... has a career. All right, now we're going to go into the part where we like to talk about recast and remakes. Recast, remake. If this movie were to be remade today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? I really think that they um, they could do a Harry the Spy TV series. Sure. I think that that would be a ton of fun. Um, it's it's also tough. Um, I I would love I would love for them to pull a Degrassi Next Generations where it's Michelle Trachtenberg um, as Harriet's uh, as like her daughter. And it's called Harriet's Spies, and she just has uh, it's her as an adult with like a couple of kids, and um, and it's them spying. And yeah. basically, Harriet is the golly, basically, uh-huh. um, kind of role, like, more, like, exploratory and um, more wise. And the spies are just, you know, um, kids that she's either watching after or maybe kids of her own. Either way, there's just, like, I think it would be interesting just to see a collection of different kinds of kids, um, maybe from different walks. It's just like, hey, like go see what's the world around you and the different kids kind of solve mysteries or maybe they come to a conclusion kind of like the, um, I don't remember if the, those books of like, uh, the teacher from the black lagoon or, oh, yeah. um, the gym teacher from outer space, different things where it's like, Oh, this person must be a monster. Mm-hmm. And then Harriet's like, well, do your investigation. Why are they a monster? Yeah. See, like get to know these people as people. I think that that would just be fun to see from a kid's perspective. Honestly, I would just love to see more investigative journalism from kids. Yeah, you get a lot in books. I'd like to see it more on screen. Like Nancy Drew, Harriet the Spy, Cam Jansen was another big one. Um, mm-hmm. She had a photographic memory and had this. Oh kind yeah, of, you're right. These kind of missions. Yeah, just adapting more of these. Uh, it could be original too, but the source material is is already there. Yeah, um, so yeah, totally. And and casting wise, I mean, Michelle Trachtenberg is such a perfect cast. I mean, for this, I mean, these kids were amazingly talented. Like, I was really impressed mm-hmm. with the kid acting, and um, I don't know of many other kid actors. Um, yeah, I, I can I can help there on my recasting please. for Harriet. I would love it if they spun it to where just to give her someone to play off of, so you don't have to do the VO in the journal as much. Mm-hmm. Um, Twins. Make make them young twins 
but oh. a very distinct personalities. And so for that, I go to single parents with Mia and Ella Allen. Um, they they are these two young actors especially are great at talking like adults and kind of playing above their age bracket um, just with the the subject matter. So um, I think they'd be really great. You could do all of these hijinks about doubles and switch them up shenanigans and whatever. Um, and they would be more like a spy team, and one could right. specialize in like the field work, and one's like the tech work. Like I just think it'd be. Uh, a really good uh, kind of dynamic duo kind of situation. But then for Rosie O'Donnell's character, for Old Golly, I think that Alex Borstein would be incredible. I was watching, I was like, it's basically like her character, it's like a nice version of her character from Maisel. She she takes someone under her wing, and uh, I would really love to see Alex Borstein in in that role. uh, just because I've been catching up on Maisel and it's top of mind. So uh, more of Alex Borstein. And uh, I think the main thing, and you touched on this in, in yours, but the, for the remake, I really want there to be like one well-defined mystery that yes. is trying to be solved. Like yeah. just put the Scooby-Doo format on it, like Do the it. formula works. Um, and then we can explore the characters while also having this through line of a mystery that she is trying to uncover. But I wouldn't want to change uh, much more. I think the heart of this movie is the kids and their friendship. Right. And so putting that front and center is really you know crucial to make it feel like Harriet the Spy. Absolutely. All right. Now we're going to go into our final segment where we give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend Harriet the the spy or harriet spy if it's cleaner <laughs> i recommend harriet the spy because well, michelle trachtenberg is really holding this entire movie together uh through her performance um because it is intentionally more serialized so in a story that doesn't have as connected you know plot points it really puts a lot on the lead actor to make it feel like one cohesive film and she does that it's unbelievable to me that this was like her first movie. Um, And I mean, she's funny. She has dramatic moments. She, she's got a lot of range in this. Um, And so I recommend it primarily for her, but I think the lessons in this movie are also really important. If not more important now than then Mm -hmm. Um, being like what you write and what you say about other people matters and can affect the lives of other people. Um, like if this movie were made, you know, today and it wasn't a notebook and it was more of like an online forum, um, I, I think it would be, you know, very resonant too. of being like, oh, she was basically like a troll. She was being like a troll to her friends and being Mm -hmm. terrible to them. Um, and then she doubles down. So you have like cyber bullying, you have actual physical bullying as well. Um, and then the way that they show like, this is not okay. Like you will be isolated. This is not how a society can possibly run. Um, I think is uh, a good lesson here. Um, and I like that she sees the error of her ways and she uses her, the skills that brought the destruction the first time are the skills that she uses to kind of right her wrongs and right her, right the wrongs. You should see, I'm spelling it in my head. It's how she's able to, to make everything better. And, and she prints that retraction, uh, that is her way of saying, I'm sorry. 
and really transforms her into Michelle Retractenberg. Uh, <laughs> the mini forms of Michelle. <laughs> her final form. Um, but I, it's a, it's a story of she's not perfect by any like the character is not perfect. It's a very flawed character, um, and I think that that's interesting to see. And they do take her down a pretty villainous path through a yeah. good chunk of the film, and then it's her journey back. And so I recommend it for all those reasons. See it for Michelle Trachtenberg, but the lessons are just as important today as they were back then. And that is why I recommend Harriet the Spy. And if none of that convinces you, see it for the giant 90s pants. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yes. That alone is worth the um, the subscription to Amazon Prime. Yeah. You got to uh, see these pants. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. I I'd definitely recommend this movie if you if you grew up with Harriet the Spy or you remember watching this upon its original release. There are so many different things that you just didn't pick up on. Um, like, and I remembered a lot of this movie, but there are very little things like um, like uh, like Golly's storyline alone, um, and how just like you know how different being a kid looked like. Cause I'm like when she said, "Oh, Harry can watch after herself." I'm like, "Oh, she's just like going about town, just hanging out with her friends and just roaming the streets." And it's just something that I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's right." There was a time when people weren't as afraid to let their children just roam the streets by themselves, uh, mm -hmm. or even just their um, just remembering what it's like to be a kid during that time. I think middle school is such a weird time to. To make a movie about a character who's not just the sole victim of what the experience of middle school is. Yeah. Harriet is an active participant and she is like she makes good and bad choices. And it's really cool to see um, how she fixes it herself. It's not like a parent told her what to do exactly. She's just like, listen, you have to say sorry and you have to lie. Um, and you have to figure out how to do that in your own way. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, all of this to say here, the spy is good. Um, Nickelodeon's first movie is a lot of fun to go back and see. Yeah. There's just a lot of fun things uh, that will resonate for you, especially if you grew up taking notes from people or really wanted to be a spy. Uh, Harriet the Spy will give you all those nostalgic feels and really make you want to buy a composition notebook. Mm -hmm. And that is our review of the 1996 movie Harriet the Spy. Uh, I'm surprised I didn't bring it up before, but it came out during the year of Space Jam. So it's, oh, wow. it's, it's a really good movie um, because it shares... A great year. Uh, let us know what you remember about Harriet the Spy on our social medias on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are Flashback Flicks. And if you could leave us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice, which we have gotten so many more. So thank you. Thank you for leaving those reviews. And um, if you could leave us a rating and review on a scale of one to five uh, magnifying glass. Oh, yeah. Scale one to five, one to five magnifying glass. Yeah, yeah, magnifying glass. That's good. Create a laser beam. Because <laughs> five, you can really see that this is a podcast uh, that, uh, that is no mystery of the good time that you'll have listening. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Mm -hmm. 
next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. With Underwater making its way to theaters next week, we are going to take a look at the 1995 movie Waterworld. Oh, what are you waiting for? 